It's uh, scaring is sharing. It's that thing we do all the time, I guess. <laughs> Feels like it sometimes, <laughs> but it's good. It is. This is a podcast yeah. where we share spooky news and our frightful views on all things horror. <laughs> yeah. So if you're just joining, this is a podcast about scary movies, horror movies, monster movies, whatever you want to call them. Those type of movies. All the creepy things, no matter whether they're kind of creepy, funny, creepy, scary, creepy, adjacent. We like it all. Creepy, creepy, what the fuck? All of Oh, them. my God. Jeremy, I have something to tell you that's really mm, important. Yes. Tell me. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you so much. It is your birthday today. Uh, proper. Today at... As we're recording, guys, this first half is my birthday proper. So by yes. the time you hear this, it'll be a few days past. But um, we're starting this one off on my actual birthday. And you know what? Everyone who's clicked on this like already knows what movies we're watching. But guess what? I don't know what movies you're going to get me. Because on our birthday episodes, the person whose birthday it is assigns both of the movies. Whereas traditionally, we give each other a movie the other person hasn't seen. Or we go and see one that we both haven't seen because that's yeah, movies together. Are in theaters now more, more so than yeah, when exactly. we started this. Exactly. So anyway, I, we got ahead of ourselves. I, of course, the birthday boy himself is Jeremy, the original Sasquatch slim rusk. And I am Brandy Joe, the flaming scream queen plan back. Hola, <gasps> Jeremy. Guess what? What? Our listener from Spain listened to our episode yesterday. So, whoa, cool. Yes, Spanish listener, whoever you are, hello. Hola, que pasa? So glad you're here. Yeah, yeah. And gracias, gracias for listening. I, I do wonder is it somebody actually from Spain or is it like somebody, a friend of ours? Did they go to Spain? Does somebody go to Spain? Uh, I don't we know. Think so. And they just uh, happen to be listening. So, uh, I don't know. I think it's a Spanish horror lover who's just there. That'd be it. That'd be great. I got to so, come up with some, I know some, I know some Spanish slasher flicks. So uh, maybe I'll have to. Uh, what? What? Wait, <laughs> think which, about those for the future. Which ones? There is uh, Pieces. That is that's a Spanish? Spanish. That's Spanish made. Oh, yeah. That was just on In Search of Darkness too. They were talking about that one. I love the poster. I think it says it's exactly what you think it is. <laughs> Which is like such a great <laughs> such a good tagline. And they talk about that scene that's so iconic where the the lead gal is like, bastard! Bastard! Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. So funny. It's, yeah, it's a Spanish flick. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Like Spanish. Er, I'm Spanish, sorry. What? Let me be totally clear. I just had to look it up. It is a co-production between Spain, the U.S., and Puerto Rico. Oh, interesting. Um, I wonder how that happened. That's pretty cool. But you know what? Spain was in there, so that's a Spanish movie to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, that one. I The tagline I always knew for pieces was, you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. Yes. Love that, too. But there's uh, pieces, and the other one. What's the other one I know is um, 
the the edge of the axe, I believe it is called, which was like a Spanish ripoff of Halloween. Okay, and when I just do a quick Google, Chronos comes up. Oh yeah, uh, Chronos. Guess, uh, yeah, well, technically that's a Toro. Mexican. Technically Mexican, Spanish language, of course, but technically, mm, yeah, from, I guess from from Mexico. So, oh, and you know what, the orphanage, and you have or haven't seen the orphanage? I saw the orphanage uh, once a long time ago, and was not like impressed by it the time I watched it. But what? in all honesty, I was like, I was probably uh, a little bit, you know, uh, kicking back the sauce and uh, not in the right frame of mind to be sitting there uh, watching that. So. I need oh. to revisit it. I've had, had many tell me. Another good one is Wreck. Wreck is amazing. Oh, yeah. The Wreck series. That is Spanish. Uh, and those are fantastic. The American remake, Quarantine. Isn't that what mm, the yeah, not so much. American series was? Not so much. Not so much. Wreck is actually like freaky. I like Wreck. Yeah, you're right. I Because when I put in my little Google, it's I put in Spanish horror movies, but it's pulling up Spanish language horror Language, films, yeah, which will which, throw in Mexican movies. Yeah. But I know The Orphanage often, and so. Wreck are indeed from Spain and so fucking, so fucking good. Love, awesome. love, love them. What about, and I, I wonder where this falls as well, because it's not telling me exactly, but The Skin I Live In, have you ever seen that? Oh, and I've heard that's very good. And I believe yeah, that is I have Spain, too. the country Spain. Yeah, because it's Pedro Almodovar. Pedro what Almodovar. The, the, the skin I live in, right? Yes. yes. My husband, I believe, really loves him because I haven't seen the most most of his films. I haven't seen All About My Mother. I haven't seen um, yeah. Volver, 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 I believe. God, I'm just horrible. And I spent a summer in Spain. I should be able to, like, somewhat speak Spanish. By, like, looking at it, I should be able to, like, read it. So, <laughs> shame yeah. on me. Yeah, he's got... There's a whole lot of movies that, uh, as a film nerd, as a as a cinephile, as they like to call themselves, uh, I know he is quite beloved, but I've not really seen any of his movies. So, I need to, I need to change that at some point. Yeah, but for sure, The Skin I Live In is supposed to be really, really good. Wasn't it Oscar nominated, I believe, mm, when it came possibly. out? I know at least, uh, I think Antonio Banderas's performance in it was. So, yeah, I yeah. don't recall that. So, Jeremy, what are you going to do for your birthday? I know normally you traditionally try to watch some scary movies, right? Like, we, I feel like we both try to do that. Yeah, at some point, if I can get something, something in today, that'd be great. We got some uh meeting stuff going on for fun in the later later in the afternoon uh we're going my wife and i are gonna have a date day down in uh downtown detroit and uh have dinner and do some shopping so that's the big that's the big event nice that sounds exciting so after that tonight i'll probably settle into uh, uh and for me it's always a matter of what what sort of like comfort movie i mean uh, am i into will it either be uh like an old universal flick or something like that or i usually go some some 80s uh 80s slasher flick or monster movie so it'll probably be something i have seen before but we'll see where uh what am i feeling when i actually settle in to watch uh watch a flick now, The Skin I Live In won the BAFTA for Best Film Not in English Language, and it was nominated for mm. a Golden Globe for Best Foreign Film, but it had no Oscar nominations. 
Okay, I was mistaken then. But I just had knew that there was a lot of 69 nominations and 28 wins total in other areas of the world. Oh wow. It it might be one of those movies that when the Oscars rolled around, it, it was one where they're like, this is egregious that it's missing from the because you know every season there's usually one movie that everyone Snubbed. is adamant, so sure it's going to get like all these nominations and then doesn't appear. And everyone's like, This is one of the mistakes they made this year is not having this movie. So yeah, I'm definitely intrigued. And I feel like you need to rewatch the orphanage because that movie I find yeah. fucking gorgeous. So I have I have to. I need to. I've heard too many good things about it where I was like, Yeah, I'm pretty sure I watched like part of it and checked out the like one time I saw it. So I don't know what was going on then. Sometimes that happens, you know. I love yeah. to rewatch things, of course, because your opinions change over time. So, yeah, you your tastes become seasoned, and mm-hmm. it's not always that they get better. Speaking of, we, my husband, and I recently rewatched Romeo Michelle's High School re- Reunion for his podcast, Three Funny Ladies, and that's a prime mm-hmm. example. I mean, that movie when I was a, a late teen, when I was early in college, we would watch a film. All the motherfucking time. And I loved it yeah. so much. And rewatching it, I was kind of like, nah. I'm like, that is so crazy. Like, I used to, like, be obsessed with that film. And while not yeah. a horror film, just an example of how your taste changed. Like, I didn't think it was a bad movie, but I was like, yeah, I, would just, I don't need to watch this ever again. Like, it's fine. I have an example, too, which would be historically, like, in my teen years, I would have told you my all-time favorite movie was the Terry Gilliam flick, 12 Monkeys, ah. with uh, Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt and Madeline, Madeline Stowe? Stowe. Yeah. Yes, correct, Madeline Stowe. Uh, and, uh, like, I just, lo- I adored that movie, like you're saying. I was totally obsessed with it. I just thought it was so cool when it uh, when I first saw it and was obsessed with it. I liked dark science fiction like that for, uh, I still do for the most part, but... Then at some point, like, I think I watched it too much. You know, you can watch a movie you love too many Mm -hmm. times. So you Mm -hmm. are too familiar and you're like, I need some distance. Uh, And then I did that for many years. And it was in like recent years. Uh, I think I was, uh, I tried to get Sarah to watch 12 Monkeys. I'm like, it's so good. And then we watched it and I'm like, this is not that great. Like what happened? (laughs) Like suddenly my opinion was, it's a pretty good movie. I just was like, but it was not how I remembered or how I used to feel about it. So um, there you go. Like even things you think are your favorite movies. If you've not seen it in a while, I say check in every so often and see if it's still one of your favorites. And I find the tr- the same true for if everyone else talks about a movie that is so good and you're like, but I watched it and I didn't much care for it. Like I'm considering a rewatch of The Mist because everyone loves that fucking movie and I've only seen it once yeah. and I did not like it. I still, I mean, I know the end. You cannot forget the end. It's on all of the, like the top 10, like most shocking horror moments, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I wonder if the rest of it, how I would feel about it. And yeah. not to say, like, yeah. because everyone else likes it, I should like it. Because that's not the case. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. So, hey, listeners. We don't have any telegrams this week, which is our, you know, our our correspondence with um, the people who listen to us. So, I would love to know movies that you either once loved, rewatched, and did not, or the vice versa. So, scaring mm. is sharing at gmail.com. Or slide into our DMs on the Instagram, all one word, scaring and sharing, which is the name of this podcast. Hey. You know, I was just thinking too, uh, as we pick up listeners and as people discover us, like 
in any episode when we ask, because we ask questions sometimes. Uh, and if you're listening and you're like, oh man, this was weeks ago. Uh, should I even write in? You should. And remind yeah. us of the question. Remind us of the question we asked, but definitely write in. We want to. Oh we want to yeah. know all of these things. Anything we've ever asked, we want to know more. So don't be afraid to uh, think like, ah, oh, they've moved on. They don't care. So uh, that, yes. that was something I was thinking about. Yeah. Oh yeah. In front of the podcast, Ethan often, or fiend of the podcast, Ethan often propo- the podcast. proposes questions to us, which I often also love. So does Teacher Drew. So I love that. Yes. Give us questions. Challenge us. Yeah, you want to know what we think about a specific movie, genre, topic, whatever, right in uh, uh, and just ask us. You know what I was surprised by, Jeremy? When we saw Bodies, 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 like two days ago, mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. were no new trailers. I feel like maybe we saw a trailer that was like a different trailer than we'd seen before. There was something that I commented to. Oh, that trailer was different. I can't remember which one it, it was. For f- it was for the menu. Oh, yeah, the menu, which I'm definitely... Yeah intrigued by i love anya taylor joy so like i would love to see it yeah speaking of anya taylor joy i was uh i was well i'm bleeding into news now sort of tangential i guess it's movie news uh she is starring in the mad max fury road prequel furiosa that they're making um that is silly yeah that well that was the (laughs) name of uh uh, Charlize Theron's character uh, in Fury okay. Road was Furiosa, and they're giving her a. Uh, <laughs> that makes me laugh. Yeah, it's a great. I love just and characters in Fury Road yell it Furiosa, and you're like, that's a great name to <laughs> yell out loud. Um, but they're doing a prequel to show that character's origin. On Anya Taylor Joy oh. is playing uh, Furiosa, the younger version. Um, but they had to shut down production, I just <gasps> saw, because George Miller, the director, got COVID, so he's got to go get better George. for a minute. Yeah, and they're shooting it in Australia as we speak. Uh, so, I mean, I love the Mad Max series. There you go. Those are some movies that I've loved since I was a kid, like the the older ones. Fury Road's a great movie, and every time I check in with those, I'm like, these are still great movies. So, uh those don't change, but I'm excited for more Mad Max. I think it's a great world. Yeah, I I really want to see Fury Road. And I imagine I would, would be intrigued to watch the one with Tina Turner, which is Mad Max at the Thunder. No, that's Mad Max. That's Wait, Mad Max okay, yeah, at the Ma- Thunderdome, Mad- right? Beyond Thunderdome. Beyond is Thunderdome. Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome is the one with Tina Turner. Yeah, oh my God, it goes. song is so good. The original's Mad Max. Uh, the second one most Americans know as the road warrior. Uh, the rest of the world knows it as Mad Max two, but when it got released in the U S the original Mad Max did poorly at the box office. So when they released the second one in the U S they're like, let's pretend this isn't a sequel <laughs> to try and trick people into seeing it. Wow. So they don't think they missed a prior movie. So they renamed it the road warrior in the U S that one's really good. Uh, and then there's beyond Thunderdome then fury road. Now they're making furiosa. So they're just, he just keeps going. George Miller has made, written, and directed all of them. So more power to him that he's got this long-running series now. I'm surprised that there was such a pause. Yeah, right. Like that that's it took like so long. Over twenty, like twenty, thirty years, like thirty years in between. I say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there was. Uh, I, I feel like he kept trying to get another one made, but the industry for some reason just wasn't on board. <laughs> with what he was trying to do. And it took a long time to get a uh, production company, you know, a studio to say, yeah, here's the money. Let's do it. Let's uh, do your bigger, more modern vision for Fury Road. 
Now, I know it's a totally different person, but for some reason it spawned this thought in my head. Are you watching The Sandman, which is Gaiman? Neil Gaiman, yes. Uh, I I need to. Everyone's saying, you have to watch it. It's really good. Um, it's the Sandman comics uh, I love. They're very good. I had read them as a kid here and there when they were coming out in like the nineties uh, and then into college I rediscovered and kind of like read through some of them. So what I'm doing right now is trying to revisit the comics. I just got like a new um, big uh, paperback graphic novel, whatever you want to call it that they released of the first like 20 something issues or something like that. So I'm trying to read through those really quick. And then I want to start watching the show again. I wanted to brush up on that. Are there like hundreds or like how many are we talking? The comic ran, I think the original run of it ran for 75 issues, something like that. Uh, uh, All written by Neil Gaiman. Um, And then of course it spawned like spinoffs and miniseries uh, with other artists or other writers and whatnot. But the original run was 75 issues told the whole complete epic. Now, when I was in grad school with your wife at the Hillbury Theater, someone did a scene from The Sandman, and it was very bizarre, and like, Mm -hmm. I remember something maybe about the stars. It seemed, it was very ethereal and very abstract, and I believe I've often heard that this series would be described or like, you know, like the comics would be described as like almost unfilmable, like just based on what they do and the, the worlds they go into, like, however it is presented seems like, how will you translate this to film? Right. Absolutely. The artwork is verges on psychedelic. Sometimes Um, it just, some of the characters themselves are like, how do you even with modern cgi it's like that's gonna be tough to realize this like demon or whatever that doesn't even have like anything that looks humanoid to them they're like you know uh one of the lords of hell uh in the comics is like a fly's head with like legs coming out of it and ungodly angles like you're like how do i how do they design that and make that something that'll appear on screen that we uh, can connect with and understand. So yeah, it's wild stuff. Yeah. And I remember something like a character was like life and his son, like there was like, it was that abstract, like a character was like death's night, like something just the most bizarre thing like that. Right. Like people aren't like, hi, I'm a physical monster. It's like, you are the embodiment of the sky or something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's dealing with (laughs) God's, and biblical figures and like Greek personification of Greek mythology. Like, you know, it's wild. Uh, The Sandman himself, the main character is dream or Morpheus. You know, he's the, he's the manifestation. He's the Lord of dreams. So, right. That's what it was. Dreams. A lot of these characters are elemental things where like dream and some of his siblings are death and desire. And, you know, from there, Lucifer is a, uh, major character because they go to hell and hell is just this psychedelic mess the way it's like put together in the comic and realized in the comics so you're like okay so I gotta watch this damn show because everyone's telling me they did an admirable job adapting uh, this comic book so and I hear it's very true that's why I wanted to brush up on the comics real quick like get the storyline down again mm-hmm. in my head because I hear it's very true to the comics so I'm like okay I gotta remember the early storyline again has Neil Gaiman directed like a straight up horror film that you know of? 
I mean, I know I we know. did. Uh, Cor- Coraline is him, right? Yeah, yeah. He wrote uh, Coraline. Oh, he's in Nightbreed. Oh, is he? Okay. That would make sense. I'm sure he's friends with Clive Barker. Like, I can, I, I, I want to say that Neil Gaiman has said that Clive Barker is an influence on his work. Uh, totally, since they are, you know, uh, they're both English authors writing dark fantasy, like really dark fantasy. So I can see where they tread similar ground. Now, is Clive Barker still writing books and yeah, such? Yeah, he is. He had, I know he had something coming out not that long ago. I think he just published another collection of short stories. Like that's one of his big things. He kind of fluctuates between being a short story writer and a like full on novelist. Mm-hmm. But I think his most recent publication was another collection of short stories. He's he's one. I've only read a little bit of Clive Barker. I really need to just dive fully into Clive Barker because everyone's like, you, if you like, you know, I've read the Hellbound Heart, which is the original novel Hellraiser comes from, um, and some of his short stories. But I need to just read a lot of, absorb all of it. I really need to start doing that. Do you know when the new Hellraiser is coming out? I know that there's like the no. movie and the series or whatever. There's, but there's a movie and a TV series, and I I don't know what's happening. I, the word leaks out very little. I want a trailer or something. Yeah, or at least a teaser. Yeah, and it's wildly like I um I believe it's David Bruckner who directed The Night House mm-hmm. is doing the yeah. the movie that I think is going to be a Hulu original is what they've been saying. Um much like Prey, apparently they're going to dump it onto Hulu first and see. But the TV show is being done by David Gordon Green, I thought last I'd heard of, you know, the new Halloween series and that's going to be on like HBO or something. With all the shakeups going on at Warner Brothers and HBO, though, who knows if it actually ends up coming out on HBO and or if it goes to another network. Mm-hmm. So, I did hear Prey did super super well. Like it's like, oh, this is one of like the best, most watched movies on Hulu or whatever. Yeah, and I'm like, uh, are they kicking themselves? Are they like, we should have put this in theaters? I mean, we I'm made sure. money, serious money on it if we dumped it into theaters instead of onto streaming only. So. But I think it can only help them. Like, it, you know. If and when they do a sequel, they put that out in the theaters and then they've already built up this like fan base, a quick fan base or whatever. I think it could help. And anymore, I'm sure sure you make some money through ads and whatnot because everybody's watching it and not everybody pays for Adless Hulu. Yeah, exactly. Any other news or views? No, no, no other news or views or takes right now. Well, why don't you... um, Give me your birthday cake. <laughs> okay. Give me Here your you birthday go. cake. Yeah, through the screen. Um, I should open this birthday gift you gave me. Oh my me. god, yeah, I got you a birthday present. Open it. Do what do you think I, it is? Uh it's some sort of artwork of some kind. Because I can you see don't a know, frame. You can't you don't know what? It's based on something no, you've I, said before. Because I keep track oh, of is the it? things you say. Yes. Yeah, you're you're such a good friend. You like actually <laughs> listen to me, you know? I yeah, you know, it's for real. For real. That's for real. So yes, I got Jeremy a present and we went to the movie the other day. He dropped by and grabbed it because I forgot to bring it to the movie. Oh with look me. at that. I'm even opening it the right way. Oh, you back. are, so it's a reveal. Uh... this is gonna be a reveal. Oh my god. 
<laughs> oh, that is, I didn't say that. It's so awesome. Guys, I know this is an audio <laughs> medium. So you're like, what is it? I should be mean and just not say what it is. No. No, it is, it is the I Love New York poster of Jason Takes Manhattan where he's cutting <laughs> through. It's one of the coolest horror posters of all time. It oh my God, you're so, so cool. awesome. Well, thank you birthday. so much. <laughs> thank you. I'm, I'm totally, I, I've got... In my office behind me, you can't really see them, but they're stuck in the corner. Is all the posters I need to hang in my office? So uh, this will this will definitely go up uh, with all my other monster movie posters. Yeah, I he'll, yeah. He'll look quite nice with Creature from the Black Lagoon and uh, Leatherface that I also have to hang. Heck up. yeah! So. Awesome. Well, now what are you going to give so me, much. Jeremy, for your birthday watches? Oh. Actually, first, I do want to say uh, I watched a flick last night that oh. I think bears mentioning, which funny enough, it was my wife's choice uh-huh. uh, where she was kind of just going through uh, uh, Amazon Prime video uh, and landed on it and watched the trailer. And she's like, we have to watch this. Speaking uh-huh. of movies so bad, they're amazing. Uh, we watched Zombies. <laughs> Oh, which is a the asylum, you know, did it? The people behind Sharknado and things like that. Um, And it was about a zoo where the animals turn into zombies and go on the loose. Oh, I thought it was gonna be like a Zoom meeting where everyone turned into zombies. (laughs) It's zombies, but with the word zoo in it, zombies. Oh, my God. It's my, my letterbox review says it all. I'm like, this is without a doubt, an awful movie. Like, it's not good. But it was so much fun to watch. It was hilarious. So um, it's one of those guys, you know, so bad it's good. Make sure you watch it with people so you can laugh at the horrible CGI animals mm-hmm. that looked like PlayStation 3 graphics. I bet. Um, but some ridiculous action scenes. So uh, it was it was wild. It was essentially if you mashed up Jurassic Park because it was like a state-of-the-art zoo and animal rescue. Um, of course. So if you matched up uh, Jurassic Park with the movie Outbreak, because it starts with the monkeys having a the zombie virus and then spreading it to the other animals. Um, Interesting. And throw in a little bit of, yeah, Night of the Living Dead or whatever, and there you go. It's zombies. It was crazy. So Who was that's the my... scariest of them? Like, who? which of the animal zombies would you not want to face? The they they of course center. There's a gorilla at the zoo that can speak sign language and is friends with the zoo owner's like daughter, but he becomes a zombie, of course. Uh, and that's probably the scariest one, I think. Or the, actually, an- the gir- or the giraffes. There's a scene with zombie giraffes. Oh, it's wild. Are there elephants that are zombies? No, there's like a scene where they like the elephants don't get turned into zombies. I think they do later or something. But at one point they're like, elephants don't have any natural predators. So they're safe from the, <laughs> the zombie virus. That's because it would be more expensive to do like an elephant yeah. zombie probably. Yeah, probably too much. They they didn't have a lot of money for the CGI. So, <laughs> But zombies, guys, that was wild. That was wild. Wow. So. That sounds crazy. But <sighs> we can move on to the picks now. And let me tell you, I, I, I fussed over this. I thought long and hard. I had no idea what direction to take this. Um, but I had been thinking so far birthday episodes on my original birthday episode. You know, I settled on or I should say my first first one I did. Uh, it was uh, 
Pumpkinhead and Ernest Scared Stupid, which were movies that really spoke to my personal aesthetic of monster movie, rubber, give me a big rubber monster in there. Um, when you did your birthday episode earlier this year, I believe, was that your first one? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a Joan Crawford double feature of uh, whatever happened to baby Jane. And what was that other one? Berserk. Berserk. That was the name of it. I was trying to remember uh, recently where I was like, that was wild. That was a so bad. It was good movies. So, yes. Um, but uh, again, I'm sitting here like, okay, that's kind of the game we've been playing with uh, birthday episodes so far is what really encapsulates our perf- our personal horror aesthetics. And uh, the other day, this just kind of came to me. Um, so this is going to be fun thematically. I need to make sure I get the, the years right on these. So my first selection for you is from 1980. The movie is called Night of the Demon. So I think this is the Bigfoot movie where someone gets their dick ripped uh, off. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and this one... Um, uh, you you can find it on your little your little secret site because uh, <laughs> there was a, there was a recent um, it was Se- Severin Films they are a you know boutique label that they released this on Blu-ray and this was one of like just recently and this was one of those movies where I'm like it'll never it's lived only on really crappy like um, uh, bootlegs oh okay. Yeah, VHS, DVD, just bootlegs for a long time. Uh, and they did this amazing restoration. So it's like, you'll you'll have a good experience because you'll actually be able to see the image and know what's happening based on this, <laughs> this new print that exists as opposed to the murky bootlegs I had watched for years of this damn thing. So, um, but I think this will be, this will be a wild experience for you. Well, um, I'm excited to check it out. So yes, I'm going to just go Sasquatch of some nature. Okay. And my second choice for you is Night of the Demon from 1957. Oh. Because this is, yep, this is, Night of the Demon is such a generic title. There's like (laughs) numerous movies named it. Um, But this one, uh, if you're looking around for it, from 1957, um, it was an English movie in England. It's called Night of the Demon. In the United States, though, it got released under the title Curse of the Demon. So uh, you might, depending on where you look for this thing, it will either be the title Night of the Demon or Curse of the Demon. Well, I'm going to say this is not about a Sasquatch or Angela. So I'm, I don't, uh, it's some sort of curse. I'm going to say there's a Mm -hmm. curse involved and a monster that is not a Sasquatch. Typical leading male. There'll be some woman in peril and I, I honestly don't know, but that's what I'm going with. Uh, a curse with a monster involved, some lead guy, and a, a damsel in distress. Yeah, this one is one I've wanted to give to you for a while, too, just because um, uh, the director uh, is someone that I know you've liked in the past. So he is someone we have visited before. And it's kind of, yeah, it, it's for its time and place. It's kind of a unique movie. So uh, I'm excited for you to see these. These are both of these are the kind of movie too, where I'm like, in my mind, I had that image of like, like a friend 
would hand you uh, back in the day. Remember videotapes kids uh, would hand you a box of videos and be like, these are like weird movies you need to check out. Like these are the kinds of things. Both of these movies would circulate, you know, on a, somebody taped it or has a copy of it from multiple <laughs> generations of taping gives it to you. And like, you got to watch this weird, weird movie if you like that sort of thing. So that's, that's my aesthetic. That's what I'm going with here. Well, thanks for your birthday shares. I'm going to go watch them. Yeah, we'll be right back, guys. Don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. Uh, And uh, this is the second half where we talk about movies. We have just watched. Yes, the movies that you gave to me this week solely. This time is my birthday special episode. Yeah. How was your birthday, first of all? Uh, it was good. It was good. Went out to dinner and uh, went and hung around in Detroit. So that was fun. Did you see any ghosts or ghouls? I didn't. Oh. Not just this ghoul in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> that's no ghoul that's my friend <laughs> that's it that's all i saw so all right uh let's so we you first of all gaming out of the demon from 1980 and i'll read the letterboxed description first of all the tagline is an evil mutation embarks on a wave of brutal butchery and the oh, description yeah. is a professor and his students have a grisly encounter with a Sasquatch-like creature that prowls the backwoods. Now, Sasquatch-like is all one word, and I, I don't know that that is a word. But I don't know that that's a word, and I don't know if that's accurate, because I'm pretty sure it was just <laughs> Sasquatch. I mean, <laughs> was it or wasn't it? So who knows? I think that's too much thinking for this movie. <laughs> Wow, this is a movie, if yeah. ever there was a movie. With a capital M. The moviest of movies. And I gotta say, that the, the version I watched was, like, pretty pristine. Like, it looked good. Yeah, so I, I do want to give you a little backstory on this one for, like, my, uh, how I know of this flick. Um, and that... Uh, all credit to James Rolfe, who some oh, of our James. listeners may know, the angry video game nerd. You know, he's like the original YouTube personality. Like, he was doing the YouTube video reviews of originally video games uh, when I, like, started college. Uh, so, like, before it even became, like, a viable thing to be, you know, a YouTube personality, he was, like, a frontiersman of that. Um, but he would do these, uh, he called them... Uh, it's called Monster Madness, and every Halloween, like through the month of October, every single day of October, he would do a new movie review of a different movie. Uh, and one of those years, I think his theme, sometimes they were thematically, you know, put together. And one of those years, uh, the theme was uh, B-movies or like campy, you know, bad movies. Uh, and one of those flicks was Night of the Demon, this very movie. And I'm like, what is this? And his review was just like, it's about Bigfoot. Bigfoot rips people's dicks off and crazy stuff happens. So I'm like, I have to see this movie. So I bought it on like a bootleg DVD from eBay because it was not like available under normal means. Uh, and it lived a life as like 
all anyone knew that was out there was like VHS rips of it. So uh, the DVD I had horrible quality. You can barely tell what's going on in some scenes because uh, it was just from like a VHS bootleg. So that's how I knew it until just a couple years. Actually, no, it was last year. Uh, Severin Films announced they're like, we we found the film elements, like the original film uh stock so we're gonna do a remaster from that and put it on blu-ray and i'm like okay i gotta get i gotta get night of the demon i've been telling people for years if you want to see one of the most whacked out weird movies this is one of them uh and yeah so yeah that copy is never thought i would see this in like full-on filmic quality i mean i bet it didn't even look that good when it was in theaters i think it must have been in some theaters maybe yeah i know it ran i think it drive so I think this was like a drive-in staple. Um, but yeah, from what I read too, yeah, some of the the film, like the, the original film was only seen a couple of times. And even when it played elsewhere, it was usually like a copy that was struck from the original. And as you, the more you copy a copy, you know, the more the quality degrades. So yeah, it hasn't been seen in this good of a quality since it like first came out. So I mean, some things about it that I loved were there was a scene with a man in his briefs. I love briefs. That was very mm-hmm. exciting. And of course, the thing I knew about this, the only thing I knew was that a guy gets his dick ripped off. And I thought for sure you'd see like this big old fake penis. But like, that was a real penis. I mean, not that it got tore off, but you yeah. definitely saw the man's true cock before yeah. it was ripped off. And I really appreciated that, I gotta say. Yeah, and there's, it, it's just like utterly surreal too, to see the hairy big like the hairy bigfoot hand grab the dick and then the <laughs> next shot is you know him bleeding all over himself but you're like what did i just watch like a lot of the scenes in this are very much like that a hundred percent i mean this movie is like what you dream of when you're like i want to watch a uh, a bad good movie a good bad a good bad movie i think is the way you would yeah construct those words like, so it bad is it's good so bad it's good like a hundred percent the epitome the most good bad movie i may have ever seen like it is just like it is so silly you're so in it but they also it also feels like they were truly trying to be authentically artistic yeah and scary yes. and all of those things which just makes it sell even better yeah, it tries so hard. Like, it takes itself dead serious. It's just that uh, I saw a letterbox review where someone was like, this movie is really trying. It's just that no one involved had any talent. So that's, you know, how you end up with this. And, I, okay, and here's the thing I'll say for people that I know may have issues with this. There are There is sexual assault in this film. Mm-hmm. There's kind of two, one and a half scenes of sexual assault, I would say. So like, know that going in. Um, the, the like main one is just so mind baffling after the, the, the character who's like on looking, like the fact that he does nothing after what he's just been upset about the person being raped. Like, it's just like, it's like, what, like why for punishment? And then ultimately you're going to shoot the Sasquatch. Like it was just so insane. Yes. It, it's, it's so wild. The- it is so wild. There's a scene where like they're playing chess and there's all these like close-ups and they're like talking and it's just like, you can tell it's trying to be so, Stylish. And in the 
I think it's in that very scene you're talking about. There's a line flub that they left in the movie. <laughs> if you're paying attention where, yeah, the, the one uh, he's talking to the old man, like telling him, I don't believe in Bigfoot. It's not real. And the guy says something about like, he, he has like a false start to his line and then says the line over correctly, but they left all that in the movie. Amazing. So it's what, and I think there's another example of that that happens later, but yeah, there's so much weird. You will feel like you're on drugs, even if you're not watching this, like you will feel like somebody dosed you and you're like, what is this? But not in a way that like, they're like, Ooh, we're being trippy just in a way that you're like, how is this real? Like, how is this a exactly. thing? But it's not like trying. I mean, aside from all the theremin, like there's so much theremin, which I believe that is the correct word, right? That's yep. that instrument. Yep. One time, many, many moons ago, I directed this show called Mercury Fur. And if Nico, front of the podcast, is listening, hello, Nico. Nico was in it. It's a brilliant show. And Jeremy, I wish you could have seen it because it was mm. absolutely horrifying and beautiful and amazing. There were meat hooks and blood and kids dressed up in little gold Elvis suits getting murdered. It was so awesome. Cool. <laughs> cool. But there was this this kid named Frank who I knew played the theremin. He has since passed away. Oh, unfortunate. But he, I knew he played the theremin and I was like, I really want some original music for Mercury Fur. So he came in and sort of showed me how, like he set it up and then played it. And it's just like an instrument you play with the air. Like it is the most bizarre mm-hmm. thing ever. If you, you just never, move your hands you know, over some hands, antennas. Yes, in this like space and it creates these different sounds and it's like very much a sound of like the late 60s and the 70s, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. Like I would say from the mid 50s through like the entirety of the 60s, like science fiction films used it as like how they did their music. So that's how you get the kind of noises in yes, uh, yeah, yes. old sci-fi movies and horror movies. So, yeah. But when it came, I was like, oh, my God, the theremin. Because mm-hmm. it is such a cool instrument. So to see someone play it, and then, like, what he ultimately did for Mercury Fur was also really amazing. So, Frank, rest in peace. You are amazing. Um, but, yes, yeah, so there was so much theremin, especially towards the end, which is the most mind-baffling scene. I mean, there are some great kills in this that are just, like, over-the-top and bizarre and Holy wacky. Holy crap, yes. The sleeping bag. There's a sleeping bag twirl. There's the yes. Girl Scouts, who are, like, way too old to be Girl Scouts, but... We're just walking around with knives. And the fact... <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry guys spoilers but i don't care about spoiling this thing because i think us talking about it would make you want to see what we're talking about yes but the fact that the bigfoot grabs the two girls hands and then makes them stab each other <laughs> like so insane like how did they come up with that and in the end though like everyone's getting killed but ever like he'll they'll be focusing on what he's doing to one person getting killed and then eventually he'll get to the other person who just apparently was just sitting there this whole time until he gets to them. And then they're yeah. like, oh, I got to go. And it's just like, uh-huh. one at a time kills everybody. <laughs> I also love in that final scene, if you pay attention, like it plays this whole segment in slow motion for just minutes and minutes at a time of slow, so slow. motion. But in one of the, one of those bits in there, the guy is coming at the, Sasquatch with an axe. Uh, and I swear to God, they actually just moved slow. I don't think they slowed the film down for slow motion. <laughs> like, I think they literally told the actors to just move slowly. Because if you watch it, you're like, that's just him moving very slow with the axe, and then the Bigfoot catches it. Like, there's so many bizarre choices, mind boggling situations. Yeah. I would say if Evil Dead, the OG, 
Harry and the Hendersons, Friday the 13th, and The Room all had an orgy and created a baby. It this would is be it. Night oh of my the God. Demon, yeah, this 1980. Is, this is this movie. <laughs> I uh, I read online too, like you might, people might think Night of the Demon, like what the hell? Like that title is generic enough, but like what's it even got to do? Like he's not a demon, I guess. He's a Sasquatch because they're hunting for Sasquatch. Like they're a science class, you know, a college class or something that's out looking for Sasquatch. But uh, I read that the movie was apparently filmed under the title Bigfoot's Revenge. Uh, and the producers, this was in 1980. So in the 70s, uh, and I think some of them even go back to like the late sixties, but uh, the national craze of, you know, people seeing Bigfoot and all these stories in the news caused like a spike in exploitation movies about Bigfoot, especially in the seventies. But that boom had died down when they were making this movie. So I think the producers were like, "Uh, we can't, we don't want people to know this is a Bigfoot movie. Give it a different name, night of the demon. So that's what they came up with. Yeah. I like that poster. I mean, the, the poster art for like the newest, blu-ray or whatever it is is like gorgeous but i also really liked like the og poster which is like on imdb and it shows sort of like a figure that you can't really make out and it's like holding out like a bloody head or something it's like really oh that's a good one yeah there's there's like a bunch of like right here i have my blu-ray copy oh yeah which has that one where he looks like i don't know charlton heston draped in blood or something like he does not look like a sasquatch a little bit it looks like or like charles bronson Maybe Just that's what I was blood. thinking of. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then there's this poster. Yeah, so see the, it, it looks with very the axe. evil daddy. Yeah. Yeah, the hand, the the ape hands holding an axe. That one's cool too. So um yeah, this thing is just bizarre. It, it's ever since I saw it, I I've probably this is probably time number four or five that I've watched this thing. Um and let me tell you the first I would say for my first viewing, it was kind of excruciating, and I was just watching it for like the kill scenes. But it's one of those movies. It's worked its magic on me. And now I'm like, I'm I'm definitely a fan of it in the way I'm like spreading the gospel of uh, Big Meat Eater, as you know, like a weird, another weird indie bizarro horror movie. Night of the Demon has just become another one of those where I'm like, I need to tell everyone about this thing, like, because it's still super obscure for the most part. It is. But I will take this over Big Meat Eater any day. Any that's high, day. That's high praise. It. I mean, I truly found it quite enjoyable. Yeah, like, it, it is. Just, it's just so silly. And yeah, I mean, those like, I mean, it's 1980, but probably filmed in the 70s. Those like yep. 70s stashed men are like so hot. And then and like, all in just, flannel. All So much flannel. So much flannel. So if you are into flannel porn, I mean, this is just flannel porn the way that there's a lot of flannel not a lot of porn there is a good decent amount of sex Mm -hmm. um but then there's also lines like they like they see the boats gone they see like this footprint and they're like oh it's something huge and someone says like an elephant (laughs) (laughs) it's like what a it is not that big the footprint also is not that big i I mean have you seen an elephant it is um much larger than this and and the bigfoot in this is only slightly taller than all of them if if 100 percent he's like the same size as most of the guys so oh boy yeah so silly but i think in like certain deaths would happen and i'm like wait is this real is this a thing a story being told like the whole sleeping bag thing i missed that that was a story and then i was confused i'm like which one of them was it mm-hmm. and then they weren't missing anybody there's also some found footage in this so like it definitely predates 
all of the other found footage stuff, but there is like this little bit of found footage film yep. like in it. And so that's kind of fun too. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Uh, I like the fact that they work in a plot line about like the townspeople have some sort of like satanic cult that worships the Bigfoot. And then that just kind of gets dropped. Like there's no explanation really too yeah, much about that. Yeah, but I thought that. that there was going to be even less explanation. But then the one guy is like, but what about those townspeople? And I mean, you don't get a full on explanation, yeah. but at least he brings it up when I was thinking it. Oh, so, okay, like, yeah. You get something of, I, I thought they were going to 100% not go there. And mm-hmm. I was like, but then I don't get it really at all. But I got it. Yeah, I 100% did not expect to enjoy this and like found myself chuckling a lot and in awe of just it, it what it was trying to do. And then mm-hmm. it just it wasn't like all the other so many of these films that I've seen that are just sort of bad horror from like the late 70s, early 80s. Like it, it was trying to do something kind of different and therefore it it has a different vibe to it. And it is just so silly. Yeah, and bloody and fun. Yeah, I think it's definitely like an underrated, unappreciated midnight movie. Like it definitely. Yeah, maybe we should spearhead that the scaring, sharing revival screening of <laughs> Night of the Demon from 1980. Could be fun. Sure, they'll all listen to us. Yeah, they'll all listen. Um, yeah, it, it's funny too. As I was watching this this time around, I kept thinking about as well the. Um, uh, the 70s like Bigfoot exploitation movie, they all have the same plot because I've seen more than a few of them at this point. And it's always a college class with a professor that's like, I'm going to prove Bigfoot exists. And they go out in the woods looking for it and get killed or, you know, terrorized by the monster. Like every, all of them have that plot. Now this one, what this one did different was add in all those gore scenes. And like, usually they're not as gory and crazy. Uh, And I did, I did read too that, uh, the movie was originally it was shorter uh, and it had it didn't have the crazy kill scenes like the original cut. Uh, and the producer thought this isn't going to work. So the producer behind the director's back went out and shot all those like stories they tell and stuff of like the extra kills uh, to put those in there to give the movie some more oomph. So interesting. Yeah. So the director was like, it's not my movie. I disowned it. He's like upset about that still apparently. And the producer was like, well, I had to save this movie somehow. So yeah, I've never heard of this before you or since you mentioned it some long time ago. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, you can't forget, oh, it's the Bigfoot movie where he rips some guy's dick off. Like, that sticks in your mind and won't leave. <laughs> it, it'll but, never leave. <laughs> but, like, if you have it, if you have seen it, A, I want to know, like, in what context did it, yeah, did you watch it? Absolutely. And if you haven't, find it. And if you need to know how to watch it, you send me a DM in the Instagram, scaring and sharing, and I will help you find this. I will Absolutely. share it with you because it is so crazy. Yeah, I read too that uh, I guess this thing, people claim online that this had quite a life on VHS. Um, but again, like you're saying, like I've never met anyone else that uh, wasn't my friends that heard of it from the the first time I heard about it from a YouTube video. Uh, and that's it. Like no one, I've never met another horror fan that's been like, and Night of the Demon from 1980, the Bigfoot movie. Like nobody talks about this thing. So now crazy James or whatever he was called from YouTube. Did yeah, you actually know him? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. He's, he's, he's he a still YouTube. a thing. He's still a thing from what I understand. I hear the angry video game nerd uh, still, still is around. Uh, you know, he like, 
he's one of those guys that made a living off of his YouTube personality. Like in the early days, he was around uh, early enough to be one of the first like YouTube personalities. So now angry, like he would throw things across the room or like what? Yeah, I'd say like the point of his persona, his character was that he would review uh, old, like from the original Nintendo, old Nintendo games and stuff like that. That word notorious for being bad or unplayable, unbeatable. So, yeah, it was mostly him just like this game is dog shit and like, you know, ripping on the the video game. And he built a whole little empire out of that. But uh, his big thing was he's a horror movie like fan at heart so his true passion was then switching into these like movie reviews he would do which were a lot of fun so nice yep what else do you have to say about it i mean i think that's really it oh uh and another point of interest was this movie apparently was on the video nasties list in england the Makes sense. so that's i mean Maybe people have only heard of it if you've ever read the video nasties list. Cause when I read that, I'm like, I don't know half these movies that are on here, but apparently they made a big enough splash in the UK that the government tried to ban them as, you know, obscenity. So, okay. Yeah. Um, but that's about it. That's all I got about this thing. It's just, it's wild. And I just like to expose people to this movie if I can, yeah. cause they're like, what the fuck is this? Every time I show this movie to someone. So expose me. Mm-hmm. Well, out of five, what? I mean, out of five, just ripped off dicks. Yeah. <laughs> Sasquatch severed dicks. Uh, how many do you give it? I'm going to give it four. Holy crap, a me surprise. too. Really? I see yeah. in here. You thought you'd give me something that was, we'd have a yeah. little discord. Yeah, I thought no. it was. Instead, we get a... Scare of approval. Scare of approval for this weird ass movie. Yes, 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 yes. Watch it. Reach out. Tell us if you want to watch it. Absolutely. All right, cool. Well, let's go to the next one. And you read the description here. All right. Moving on to uh, also Night of the Demon uh, from 1957, also known as Curse of the Demon. Uh, And the tagline is, who will be the next in line to defy the curse? Uh, And the description is American professor John Holden arrives in London for a conference on parapsychology only to discover that the colleague he was supposed to meet was killed in a freak accident the day before. Following a trail of mysterious manuscripts, Holden enters a world that makes him question his faith in science. I cut some of that out because the the description (laughs) is too long on Letterboxd. So, Jeremy, you know that you gave these to me and imagining we're going to have some discord. And of course the first one is like surprisingly good. And then we get to curse of the demon, mm-hmm. which is even better. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> this movie, I am shocked at how much I like it because it starts. I just got to say the the monster and not, not even so much the monster as the lead up, the build up to the monster appearing is so fucking creepy and mm-hmm. scary. Like I was like, this is petrifying. Like that weird sound that sort of sounds like that that wheel on a shopping cart that drives you bonkers. Yes, it's like this squeaky wheel, and then there's there's this billow of smoke, and then it's like kind of running at you from a distance, sort of. It's so fucking eerie and scary. Yeah, and I just like from that first scene, I was like, oh, that is creepy. And then I'm like, oh, and now we're into old movies that I'm kind of bored by. And then I just wasn't. I never was bored. I loved 
I totally like estimated that it was going to have like this damsel in distress. And it really was kind of the opposite. It was like this man was in distress, although he didn't believe he was in distress, Mm -hmm. which is always an interesting parallel to have someone like not think that they're in danger, but they are. But we knew he was in danger. Like, that's the thing. I, I think I read that like the director or the writer or someone didn't want us to see the monster in the beginning. Yeah, the director. The director. I'm glad I did. I would have, I don't know. I, I was okay with it because it scared me and it hooked me in right from the beginning. Yeah, it's a great hook. And I feel like it gives you the stakes. Like, you know, this horrible thing is out there uh, and it's coming. And this guy has no idea that you already know what's coming for him. And it's quite horrible. And he doesn't realize it. So I think it makes makes you more tense watching the movie. A hundred percent. And then the things, the two things that I love about it that are like, related to it but not it in and of itself so one thing is that hounds of love the kate bush song because we can't stop talking about kate bush yeah they use it's in the trees it's coming at the beginning (gasps) and as soon as he said it i knew it because it's a part of that song that i've listened to a million times oh i gotta go back and listen to that oh my god it's when the guy is um i think Oh, it's in the seance, which the seance is so fucking creepy, too. There's so many creepy things when he talks like a ba- like a little kid. It's so scary. Yes. Yeah. It reminded me of um, Pontypool when that guy t- is talking like the little kid. But here yeah. we're seeing this grown man and a small child's voice coming out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. So eerie. The second thing is that Drag Me to Hell is an indirect remake of this. Absolutely. Which I loved. Like, And I found that out sort of maybe a quarter of the way into it. Like I was like, well, was this ever remade? So I went on IMDb and I'm looking through like the connections and I see that Sam Raimi wanted to remake this, could not get the rights. And so he just used elements from it, like the curse and Mm -hmm. the train station at the end and things like that. And I, ever since I found that out, it was, it was even that much more exciting to me. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just, it's and just now so I cool. want to rewatch drag me to hell. Cause I haven't seen that forever. <laughs> and I remember loving that uh, when it first came out. So I got to watch that again too. I also appreciated that like the devil worshipers or whatever, the cult leader, yeah. et cetera. And this isn't like how I imagined they must've thought those people were like back in the fifties, which I would think they'd think not like goth. Cause goth wasn't a thing, but I, I wouldn't imagine they'd think that they were like, these rich people who lived in big houses with their mothers. Like I found that like all very surprising that that is, I didn't fully understand how, why someone got cursed unless they were just getting too close to what was actually going on, but it didn't Mm -hmm. really matter. I, I, I was fine with like sort of being a little like, I don't know why this, our lead guy got, got cursed. Like he came over and then all of a sudden he was cursed, but but I still appreciated it. <laughs> that yeah. was cool. Yeah, all I can put together is, well, he's, he's you know, going after Carswell, the the cult leader, the, you know, the the magician, the witch uh, that's cursing people and killing them. Because uh, the people he's going after, I, if I'm not mistaken, these are people that, like, doubted him or claimed, you know, you're a charlatan. This is all put on, blah, blah, blah. And he's trying to flex, like, no, I can summon demons, so I'm going to curse you and you're going to die now. Like, I feel like that's most of what it is. And people trying to interfere with his, you know, what he wants, which is to have his little cult and followers and make money, you know, probably, I assume, off of his followers. So he fe- he kind of feels like a, um, uh, he, like, he definitely has to be a, a takeoff of Aleister Crowley, the, you know, the famed, uh, 
occultist from the turn of the century magician uh, who was an English aristocrat and, you know, a very posh guy, but was also like, I worship demons and, you know, or I can summon demons and I do all this magic and stuff. So definitely has to be based off of him. And also like Night of the Demon, this version I watched was so beautiful, like Mm. so beautiful. It was just like stunning to look at. And so I also really appreciated that. And I really loved the leads. I loved Dana Andrews as John Holden. And I loved Peggy Cummins as Joanna Harrington. Oh, they're so good. I loved them. They're so good. And she's, she just looked like Marilyn Monroe sometimes. She was just, and she was so smart. Like she was like, you should be listening to me. Like I know what's Mm -hmm. going on. And I appreciated that. I love a kick-ass woman in a movie. And I thought for sure this movie wouldn't have that. I thought it'd have the opposite. So I loved, 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 loved that. And then when I read that, like when it was, cause it was released in England as night mm-hmm. of the demon. And it was like 96 minutes. And then they re-release it in America as curse of the demon at like 83 minutes or something, 82 yep. or 83 minutes. And I was like, God, I bet they cut out all the good stuff. And when I read what they cut out, it sounds like they really just tried to sort of tighten it up a little bit. Yeah, I've seen both versions. Okay. Um, and I really think all that's cut from the Curse of the Demon is a few extra scenes of like these these two characters like met at a party, I think, or there's a couple additional like locations with some conversations. And that's really all that's cut. Like all of the action is still intact. Yeah, it sounded like to me the most important or interesting scene was when he goes to visit the family, like out on like the farm. I mm-hmm. feel like they said that that scene was cut. Yeah, that that is because I I just rewatched the Curse of the Demon version uh, this time around, and okay. I was sitting there like, wait, isn't there? There's a scene where he goes to talk to a, the guy's family at the farm. Oh, that's from the, the I was like, that's from Night of, Night of the Demon version, the original English version. So that's like I think the most substantial scene that's cut because it doesn't really affect the story. It's just an interesting subplot that he goes off on to get some more information. Yeah, and then that scene when he's walking through the forest is so fucking creepy. It's so effective and so well done. All the nighttime, like this is a movie too. Like I think much like you, the first time I watched this, uh, this was one I'd heard, uh, you know, it's a favorite among uh, cinephiles. Uh, Like Martin Scorsese calls this one of his all-time favorite horror movies. So uh, it, it was a name I'd heard for a long time. And some years back when I finally watched it, I was like, okay, cool monster in the beginning. It seems like it's going to be very, just a lot of talking. Like, uh, am I going to be bored? But no, I was like hooked because all of it, all of the character interactions are just riveting. Yeah, and it's a creepy monster. It reminds me of like a kaiju, like an, not that I've seen a ton of them, but it seems sort of inspired yeah. by something like that, like a kaiju monster. Yeah, it does feel like something out of uh, a giant, you know, one of the giant monster movie in a costume on the loose kind of movie. Yeah, but there's like four, I would say, effective, creepy scenes that Mm -hmm. maybe borderline on being scary. I mean, I did watch this at night, late at night, and it was the perfect time to watch it. It was just so good. And I bet at the time that that demon scared the shit out of people. It had to have, especially the close-ups. Like, you you look at the the puppet work of its face when they do the close-ups you're like holy crap like so much craft went into making that thing yeah it is fantastic and then there is because this is the director who did cat people right yes yes that was uh why i was like oh you i know you really loved the style of cat people and jacques tournier's 
all of his movies are very much his movie. You can tell he's got a very distinct style when you've seen enough of his flicks. Oh yeah. And I would, I mean, take, I would take this over and these may be fighting words. I would take this over any of the universal monster movies and anything I've seen from the twenties, thirties, forties, and fifties. This would be my favorite of all of them. Like just, I, I just thought it was so well done and just, I love the acting. I love the story. I love the effects. Mm-hmm. And I just, I thought it was so good. And I felt like how there was like the Luton bus because mm-hmm. Val Luton produced cat people, right? Yeah. Yep. But not this, I don't think from what no, I No, this was made in England. Okay. Um, with it. And I think that's part of what makes this, so cool for coming out in the fifties is it was outside of the Hollywood system. It was made in England. So different sensibilities. Uh, Cause at this point in the late fifties in the U S like stuff was getting a little more, uh, they're making things more bland and, you know, trying to uh, be uh, more American, if you will, uphold more American values. So you, know, you would have had a, uh, the damsel in distress and he would have been much more of like a macho man. I think if it was made in the U S at that time, as opposed to over in England where they got to be a little more uh, interesting with the characterizations and the morals were a little grayer that they're mm-hmm. trying to portray. So, but there is a Luton train in this, yep. <laughs> like towards the end, there is like, I was like, ah, yes, the mm-hmm. Luton bus, but now it's a but train. a train, a Luton train. <laughs> yep. So yeah. And Jacques Tournier did uh, several, several, flicks with Val Luton. So that was definitely a fruitful, um, cause they did cat people. Uh, they did, I walked with a zombie. Uh, and I know they did the leopard man, which, uh, those two right there, a couple I'm, I'm holding on to, to give you someday, I think, cause they're definitely worth seeing, I believe. So. Yeah, he is. I, I dig his style, like based on the cat people, and this, or just cat people, not the cat people. Yeah, cat people. Based on cat people and this film. And I, I just am surprised, like, because when I saw the monster, like, from, like, the cover art, I was like, oh, yeah, I've, like, seen that before. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't hear, like, the 1980 Night of the Demon, I don't hear people talking about this film enough. Yeah, and I was going to say your take, too. I don't know if it is fighting words, because I do know this movie's a little bit more well-known than the other Night of the Demon, because I have, you know seen online discourse about this one but uh it's pretty revered so i don't think you're out of line with saying this is you know your favorite of uh golden age uh you know filmmaking because it's uh it's very well revered by a lot of film nerds so now the poster i'm using for like our little cover image for this week's episode is in color and i'm curious has there ever been like a color restoration of it or anything like that i think there might have been Interesting. Because I know that this one has never been on, I, I think it got released on DVD uh, in, you know, North America, in the U.S. market, uh, but there hasn't been a Blu-ray over here yet. Uh, I guess there's one in England uh, that collectors are like gaga about because it's got like a bunch of, it's got all the cuts of the movie because besides the Night of the Demon, Curse of the Demon, apparently for like other smaller markets, there were some other cuts of this movie like different edits for different things like i think there's a television version that's slightly different Hmm. than those two and uh that set's supposed to have all of them and for some reason i think there might have been a colorized or like it was partially colorized or something like that at some point so i think that's in there too that's awesome okay yeah Yeah, i want to find that and watch it i would like to see it 
yeah, that sounds familiar. I can't say for sure that it's 100% true, but I feel like there was some sort of, at least portions of this were like colorized at some point, I think. Well, cool. Anything yeah. else to say? Um, you know, just both these movies, it was really fun to uh, bring in a couple of choices that speak to my own personal interests, of course. Uh, I am I know far too much about Bigfoot and witchcraft and the occult and all that. So it was just a fun time to be like, these are very much my kind of movies. <laughs> so it was fun to pick them. Yeah. And I mean, they couldn't be more different, but they both have a horrific monster at their mm-hmm. core. Yeah. And, you know, stuff I love people in peril and people like not quite believing yeah. or wondering like what yeah. the, what the Belief. validity of it is. Exactly. It's actually, you're right. Both of these are feature people saying like, I don't believe the story that you're telling me, but it's very real and it's going to kill you. So, um, but yeah, out of, Ooh, out of uh, f- five slips of paper with the magic runes written on them, how many do you give this? I'm going to give it four and a half. Oh, uh, my God. We matched again. Four and a half. <laughs> exact same rating. Oh, another. Scare of approval. That's scare of approval. Now, Jeremy, I did not expect to like either of these movies. So to like truly like them and one for a campy sort of value and the other yeah. one just because just for pure. This is a fucking great movie. Shocks me to my core. I am shocked to my core because I thought we were at least going to have a disagreement about at least one of them. I couldn't tell which, but I'm like, I feel like we're going to come at one of these from different angles. But we didn't. We uh, did it. Because I thought the 1980 Night of the Demon might be risky because I know campy stuff you respond to is a little different from some of the campy stuff I respond to. So I thought it was a risky maneuver, but no, we're in lockstep on that. Also, Night of the Demon, 1957. Also, the line from Rocky Horror Show is about this. Like yeah. they talk about the runes and everything, right? Yes, I believe I believe you are correct. Oh, I also like that um, the title Night of the Demon makes sense because somebody literally says that in the movie. They do. Yeah, because yes. there's a line when the guy's under, you know, they're putting the guy under hypnosis and they tell him to go back to the it's the night of the demon and he uh he remembers so i'm like that works so the american title changed to curse of the demon i think i read somewhere that there was like something else with a similar title at the time and that's why the american distributors were like we got to rename this so yeah night of the demons better yeah so the line of rocky horror picture show or Rocky Horror Show is it's from Science Fiction Double Feature and it's Dana Andrews said prunes gave him the runes but passing them used lots of skills and now I get it yeah now I get it it's literally a quick summary of part of the plot so yep yep so let us know scaringasharing at gmail.com follow us on insta scaringasharing all one word tell us what you think of these movies go and watch them if you haven't I highly recommend it yeah, check them out. Uh, it's now well after my birthday by the time you're hearing this, but uh, this was my gift to the world. <laughs> and to me, thank you, Jeremy. Yes, these flicks. So yes. some choice, some choice monster flicks. Cool. Well, happy birthday, even though, thank you. like you said, it's past. But yep, you're you older. One year closer to death. That's right. The <laughs> inevitable march towards oblivion. And Jeremy, remember, it's in the trees. It's coming!
I need to think of something good. God damn it. <laughs> Evil dies tonight. <laughs> and everybody, keep watching those scary movies. Keep talking about them because... Scaring is sharing. Bye. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.